0: You're listening to a LTA sex podcast, LTA sex, sex positively. Welcome to Behind Closed Doors, the podcast where we talk about sex, relationships, and life completely unedited. I'm your host, Jerome Stewart Nichols, writer, sex and relationship coach, and creator of sexual lifestyle blog, LTAsex.com. If you know me, you know I love talking about sex basically all the time. Uh, Behind Closed Doors is your chance to get a bit more raw and personal with me than ever before. Most often, I'll be talking to my partner and submissive bubby, but you'll hear me musing by myself or sitting in a room with any random person from time to time. Behind Closed Doors definitely isn't your average sex podcast, but it's not about the size. All that matters is how deep and arousing the conversation is. If you like the show, make sure to subscribe and tell your friends about it. You should also consider giving the show a review on iTunes. Make sure to check out ltasex.com for more from me. You can find more info on Behind Closed Doors at ltasex.com/slash/Behind Closed Doors. If you're one of those people using social media, you can also find me ltasex or Behind Closed Doors on Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, SoundCloud, uh, all of that shit. All right, enough of me talking about this bullshit. Let's get to the sex. Hey
1: strove for that and when i was reminded of it i was pretty pretty calm
2: and i will say that was one of the reasons when i when i was uh when i got the email to look at the book uh one of the things that i was first concerned about was uh whether or not there would be uh diversity within you know the stories perspectives all sorts of things because that has been something that has been direly missing absolutely um, from a lot of the things that people have wanted me to get involved in and i was just like well um it's all very pale so <laughs> so, so i can't i can't like put my name behind that at all
1: no, like when i with the with the other one i mean we didn't have contact as contributors with each other um
2: that seems weird
1: it, well, in a way, yes. In a way, no. I, I might have seen a full list of contributors at one point. I honestly can't remember. Um, but again, I don't know everyone, and while I'm working on other projects, I didn't look everyone up. And I mean, th- I'm not—I'm not at all absolving myself. Um, but when I received the book and I looked at it, the only thing I noticed was on the back cover, they had all of our pictures and me. I, my picture was situated above Nina Hartley's. So immediately I look at my picture, which was a totally goofy picture and Nina Hartley right below me. And I just,
2: Whoa! what is happening right now?
1: Ooh, sound or, Oh, you're live now. This is good.
2: Yeah, but I'm getting like, I'm hearing back what you just said about the contributors. This yeah. is so weird. Do you mm-hmm. hear it?
1: I hear, like, a TV or something. <laughs> it sounds like...
2: Okay, so I'm the only person hearing this.
1: No, I hear, like, it sounds like a like a TV or something in the background, but I don't know if that's... I don't think there would be anything on my end. That would, no, there's nothing. I... Don't
2: My my picture was situated above Nina Hartley, so uh, immediately I look at my picture, which is totally goofy picture. Yeah, and Nina Hartley right below me.
1: Yeah, and it. Did you hear that? I heard all that from you, but not from me.
2: Huh? I'm getting it all back in my ears.
0: Hmm. Do you have? Are you wearing headphones?
1: I am. Oh, huh. oh! You know what? That might be what I'm hearing in the background. Just give me a sec. Just let me listen.
0: Let me
2: see. I let me see. Take these headphones out. Yeah, and it... did you hear that? Oh, I, I heard hear that. all um,
1: that. Yeah. Oh, and that's
2: ah, really delayed. I'm getting it all back in my ears. Hmm. Okay. Well, here's what we'll do.
0: Do you have? Are you wearing headphones? I am.
2: Um, I'm going to. Oh. Let's see.
1: Oh, you know what? That might be what I'm hearing in the background. <laughs> just give me a sec. Just
0: let me listen. i switch microphones. Does
2: let me see. I no, it's still doing it.
1: Yeah, there. I can hear that now too. You
2: hear that? I heard all that. Oh, I see what's happening. Jesus Christ! It went to a page in another browser window, wherein I'm listening to the Hangout. Right. Live. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay now that we've got that sorted
1: that's pretty good <laughs>
2: oh my goodness that was a mess i thought that maybe was... you had these
1: mad skills of like you know maybe you could edit on the fly in it with a 20 second delay you could edit at the same time like you sir have have exceptional skills at that point
2: I am. I cannot hold a conversation and edit a conversation at the same time. I can barely hold a conversation and hold my attention. <laughs> it's pretty bad. But um, as I was saying before, I so rudely interrupted myself. Um, like I, I've I've been trying to uh, pick things for me to be involved in that are purposefully. Uh, diverse, and I actually sort of hate that word diverse, it seems so academic
1: yes, I see that uh,
2: but it, it's the, the, the feeling's the same, I, I want there to be people from all sorts of walks of life um, even even if that's like to the exclusion of people from my own walk of life I would rather there be uh, new and adventurous ways, or adventurous uh, perspectives in the books that we're reading.
1: Yes, for sure and I mean this one, I mean I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna say it any other way. Like it's it's still pretty damn pale too. Um, it's it's there's a long way to go to make sure that. I mean, I put this out as a call for submissions. I forwarded it around. I put it on websites. I got people to put it out there, and I went from my pool, people I knew, and um, you know that's how the word got out. I think I must have missed some avenues to make sure that the call gets out to more people. That's, that's my takeaway from this is that I need to make sure this call gets out more. And through that, I will meet more people and then I'll expand my pool. And, and I mean, my hope is that, you know, this is a volume one, volume two is my hope. And, if it's uh if i'm if i'm picked to do it if we continue with the series then um you know that's going to be work on my part is to make sure that that call gets out further to more people and you know ensures that quality of work because i know there's good work out there i know there's good work from across all peoples out there and it's just making sure that they know to get me that work or i know to find them
2: <laughs> and you know um it's interesting cuz uh, we have been circling each other professionally for the past couple of years. Yep, uh, You interviewed me for an article about men uh, in the sexual health field mm-hmm. and I remembered being reviewed, being interviewed but I didn't remember by whom mm-hmm. and then I was looking recently I was trying to go back and collect all the things that I've been a part of because I'm one, trying to make myself feel less, uh, less like I've messed up, I guess
0: maybe.
1: Well, you, to know that you know, I—I I mean, I, this is something I think I can, I can, I can speak to, and I've felt a long time. It's nice to collect and know the stuff you've been in, and and think that you're still on a good and right path for yourself. Which yeah. is, I mean, I've been doing this for like almost twenty years, and you know, that's how long it's taken me to have a publisher ask me to do a book and there's been a lot of steps along the way where i've just been like why am i doing this anymore and then i remember well i like doing it so then i just keep doing it for my own satisfaction and then little things come along and i and i think i'm on a pretty good path right now and i'm pretty happy and but at the same time you know that's always going to be that doubt so you know taking stock and feeling good in the things that you've been a part of and knowing the things you've been a part of is is fantastic
2: yeah, and I, I've been trying to do that uh, for the same reason, essentially, because mm-hmm. uh, I've been doing six for like five years now. And mm-hmm. I've only recently um, started being more mindful about how I'm doing it instead of just doing what feels right in the moment. I'm trying to be uh, more strategic, I guess you would say. Mm-hmm. And one of the ways I was doing that was by collecting all the things that I'd been a part of, one for a page on the site, but also just so that I knew what the hell I've done with my
0: career.
1: Yeah, it's, it's, and know, and know who you've spoken with and know who you've dealt with and then look at what they're doing and hey, maybe the two of you can connect again and, and do something else again. It's, it's an important thing. I'm terrible at, like, I don't, I have in my mind, I can think of things that I've been in, but I need for my own benefit and I know it's for my own benefit to actually collect on a site, a page, the things I've done so that people can actually see the things I've done as opposed to just the scattershot of if you look around, you might come across the stuff I've done. Um, I have three sites. I have a site for the book. I have the blog, Sex and Words, and I have my own johnpresick.com site, which is supposed to be, you know, my portfolio. Guess which site is the most neglected? I
2: have my sure own, the portfolio, Much like my own.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's it's like... It's for the longest time, it, it was actually being used for. Um, well, my one daughter's a, a competitive swimmer, and I volunteer with the swim site so that her swim team so that I can pay less. And um, it was being used to post their live results from swim mates. That's what my site was for months. I'm like, no, I need to reclaim that. I, I've got to a fucking book out. I need to actually get as much of that information out and as many people knowing about that as possible. So it's going to be, I think, the summer project is actually get that shit together and and actually get that page looking like something. So, hey, maybe people might find me and maybe they'll pay me to do work. That's a novel concept
2: what pay for i know work? Oh. what is this
1: <laughs> pay for writing even oh my god oh my god no. <laughs>
2: who the hell do you think you are uh,
1: lofty thoughts lofty right
2: thoughts. <laughs> i um i as i say we, we've been circling each other professionally for a while and actually one of the results of uh, the, the previous book, Being So Pale, was that there was a lot of controversy about that. Mm-hmm. And I ended up uh, creating the Sex Positive Professional of Color directory yep. um, as a result of that. Because I was just sort of like, yep, I, I it's not, it doesn't exist. So let me just go ahead and um, make that happen.
1: Yeah, great idea. It, it was awesome to take that initiative and put that together because sorely needed.
2: And I, I I was going to say that, you know, next time the book comes around, hopefully we'll be able to have something large enough, something, um, uh, a, a good enough collection that, you know, we'll be able to send out emails to everyone and see who wants to participate in that mm-hmm. way mm-hmm. and hopefully get more uh, color in these next coming books, especially the one that I want to do for myself because I don't even know what I want it to be yet. But I'm sure... Um, I'm sure 2016 will probably be the year that that gets started. Um so before we get any further into the show, why don't you take a moment and introduce yourself?
1: Oh, introduce myself. Again, this is this is a challenging thing for me because I'm usually on the other end. I'm usually interviewing. So, um I will say my name is John. I'm a writer, editor, radio broadcaster, And on and on and on, and all this stuff having to do with sex, sexuality, and gender. Um, On my business card, I just describe myself as gadabout, and um, I'm just kind of, I I go from spot to spot. The two main projects are, three main projects are the, the blog, Sex and Words. The book "Best Sex Writing of the Year, Volume One" and the radio show "Sex City," which is broadcast uh, here in Toronto on CIUT Radio, which is part of the University of Toronto. But um, yeah, those are the those are the three main things of my my hobby career of sex.
2: Your hobby career you don't you don't consider it like your main career?
1: No, I have a job. I have full time job. <laughs> all of this is all on as my free time. Um, The full-time job pays for me to actually work on these things. Sleep is is not always an option. (laughs) Yeah, it's not. It's not. It's elusive to me. Um, Other hobbies are moderately elusive. I've tried to. I've been making greater efforts to ensure that I have other hobbies of late. But I really do love reading about sex, writing about sex. Um, listening to people speak about sex, uh, all of these also, things like Also that. having sex, of course. I right? do. On occasion. In fact, I do. <laughs> it is um, a key element as well.
2: And, and that's very important. I don't, I, don't, I don't know that one could uh, spend all their time talking about it without actually doing it, without going mad. It,
1: absolutely. Um, or having the strongest hand muscles
2: in the world. You know, honestly, that's not bad. It might be from getting Carpool tunnel from all that writing,
1: <laughs> indeed. <laughs>
2: <laughs> um, so the book we are talking about is best, "Best Sex Writing of the Year, Volume One" on consent, BDSM, porn, race, sex work, and more. Um, I got my copy a little bit ago, and I actually have to say that I enjoyed uh, the selections that I did read out of it. I. I I am not a a huge reader actually although uh people like to think I am I'm really not a book person I'm mm. I'm more like to read a blog or I'll read um uh, articles in a magazine or profile that uh is my preferred way to absorb text language <laughs> yep uh but I I will end up actually reading this entire thing. One, because I'm going to review it on LTA sex. And two, because it is interesting.
1: Well, I think that, I mean, the format of the book itself lends itself to that, that you don't, this is, I I've been, so delighted to hear people say they sat down and read it in one session and things like that. I could never read it in one session. I don't read like that either. I've definitely drifted more towards blogs and magazines and things like that um, because that's the information that I've been seeking is in that format, format. But uh, I still come from, like, my actual career is in publishing, and I come from that background, and having a book has always been a dream, and I'd like to have more. But at the same time, uh, I, I do think that this, yeah, the format of this book lends itself to being the 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 casual reader pick it up when you can or when you're looking for a topic or if you know one of the writers in particular um finding it for that particular person can be you know just enough and then you discover more hopefully maybe you never read anymore or not i mean it's 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 not something it's not a narrative it's not a it's it's not something that you you know I don't think you even should be compelled to read in one session I, I or in lengthy session because there's too much going on in it and you're going to jump from all kinds of things. And I don't know, I think you're going to be best to absorb it in, in bits.
2: I actually, um, I, w- I went and sat at the park and ended up reading the first hundred pages or so um, in, in an hour or so. It was, odd because i don't normally like i said i don't normally read but i ended up reading a large chunk of it and and i was surprised by that surprised well enough that i was like sure oh i'd like to have him on the show i'm 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 sort of picky when it comes to the things that i'm i will and won't take my time with because like you i don't make that much money from uh the sexual endeavors it's more of a thing of passion
1: yeah you've got to pick your Pick your spots, man. You've got to you've gotta pick what you're gonna get into. And and if you're not picking that, then you're gonna be possibly spending time on things that don't make you happy. And hey, we need to spend time on things that make us happy.
2: Basically, only on things that make us happy because even though life is long, life is short, and I don't want to spend more than one moment. <laughs> doing things that I don't actually want to do
1: well I am entirely honored that you have spent some moments on this that means <laughs> hearing
0: that.
1: it really does it really really does
0: I'm glad. so tell me a bit
2: more about the book I know we talked a bit before we got on air about how how you know inception and we talked a bit about how uh you tried to make it more inclusive than other books that have been more a little controversial in the past mm-hmm. um but what's going on behind this book? What, what what was the thing that made you put it together in this particular way?
1: Well, it, it, it was born of, I mean, Best Sex Writing is a series that's been around for a number of years, not published every single year, but a number of years for the past decade or so. And it was called Best Sex Writing, and then whatever year it came out. With a little bit of rebranding with the title, we kind of took... And, and when I was tasked with this with this book as my first uh, my first edition and my first time working with Cleus press and um, you know there was a it was kind of a task of we want you to sort of reinvent this in that part of the thing with the other books, which are all fantastic, I recommend finding them if you can and getting them and reading them. But there's a thing with people in the sex world is I very loosely dub it, but the sex world in that a lot of us know each other either close or just tangentially, we all speak the same language. So when we communicate, there's this inside language. And for some people on the outside, it's not always accessible to them that, that the way that sex world people talk. So, The idea, one of the ideas behind the book was to kind of bring some topics in that were a little less inside, like not as academic, not as granular topics that would really kind of intrigue a different audience who have really become more interested in the world of sex in the last few years. So when we started putting it together, it's like, okay, find pieces like that. And then as I, as I was working on it, like it went through, there were two basic avenues of, of finding the works. It was put out a call for submissions, which garnered a ton of them. And then also seek out writers that I knew and ask, Hey, can I put this particular piece in your book? Uh, a few of them ended up that way. So between those two avenues of trying to a look for works that will appeal to a quote unquote mainstream audience while at the same time still appealing to the sex world and be spreading it out as far as I could. A lot of different topics came in. A lot of different work came in. Uh, could have filled three books. I'm guessing with the number of, of pieces that I thought were worthy, whittling it down to this size was a, a challenge, uh, actually the hardest part of it. I mean, just sitting back and, and having an email address where people are sending me things to read. is just like, Oh, this is, this is a delight. <laughs> I just, I just like sitting here and people send me stuff. I feel so bloody important. <laughs> and, um, and getting those and getting those and reading them was just, I, I kind of, I would get them and I would skim them and I would, have a general idea okay oh, well i'm receiving a lot of things about this topic i'm receiving a lot of things about this topic and kind of take a tally up well i'm not receiving anything about this or i'm not receiving anything about this so those were the ones i started looking for but i saved everything until the end of the call to really read them because i didn't want to put a hierarchy in my mind of like, well, this one is really good. And this one is really good. And then have to reorder as new ones came in as way too much thinking for me. I, I'm not, I don't want to think that much. So I waited <laughs> until the end and then I binge read everything like three times over the course of a week or something like that. And um, it was, it was, it was a challenge to pick and whittle down from 170 ish or something like that down to the 27, I believe, that are in there. Um, exciting, daunting, both at the same time.
2: So going down from that number, what were you looking for as far as like quality? What qualities were you looking for that would that make them right for this book?
1: It was really, I mean, my number one quality is voice and perspective of the author now some of them are very journalistic pieces some of them are literally blog posts some of them are excerpts from books some of them are really candid uh pieces that are written for the web all different styles so style wise i didn't have any any set notion of what i wanted but i wanted interesting perspectives we have people from people involved in sex work people from the porn industry Uh, people who have no connection to the sex world. Uh, One of them, Ember Swift is a Canadian musician, but she's wrote a lot on her pregnancy and she lives in China. She was a queer woman who is now coupled with a man. Like her perspective is, is one that's not told. And I'm not going to say that I only looked for stories from people who, uh, uh, of stories that were, that have not been told. Well, no, there's some other stories that are, you know, there's stories that are told, but they're told in a a new perspective, in a new way. And it's, it's, that's what was really what I was, what I was seeking and what, what I really wanted was these ideas and perspectives told in a way that captures and captivates us.
0: Okay.
2: (coughs) So tell me, what are you, what's, if you, I'm gonna make you pick one. Not if you had to pick one, I'm gonna make you pick one. Um, what is your favorite story in the book?
1: Oh, you're evil, you are I totally right. evil. Um, I am
0: a self identified sadist, so you know.
1: <laughs> that's that, well, hey, you're living up to it, sir. Um, <laughs> the very first one, Captain Savaho, is. One of the most unique pieces because it is um, a recollection from a sex worker who uh, did a call with a bunch of men who months later died in 9-11 and her recalling of that, of that night and um, how that happened. The the Steubenville gang rape case um, from Alexandria Goddard. I mean, going through what she did with that situation that was phenomenal um sharing body heat by joan price which is an interesting thing because it involves no sex but it is um uh, it, it's all about uh, an older couple um and he passes and how she reacts to her life that's i'm, I'm listing things now and I, i'm gonna see if i can get away without Absolutely naming one, but no, I'll name one. I'll (laughs) I'll pick one. I'm I'm not that coy. Um um, Alec Alec Vade Menon's piece, wow, uh challenging and provocative and um, all about you know identity and and race. (sighs) Strong, strong work. Um, but I'm going to pick, I'm going to pick as my favorite piece. And this might be, oh, oh, can I, oh. Okay, When I Was a Birthday Present for an 82-Year-Old Grandmother by David Henry Steary, which is from his book, um, about being a a young hustler who gets sent on a call, a 17-year-old, to um, perform oral sex on an 82-year-old woman. His writing is... So good. Now I might be slightly influenced because I was in New York and did a couple events for the book last week and he came out and read and he read a uh he read this piece and my god the man is a storyteller like you wouldn't believe but it is it encapsulates different uh a different era it, it encapsulates two different ages of people and their different sexualities, uh stigmas within society, um, you know. Should a 17-year-old be a sex worker? Should an 82-year-old even be desiring sex? That's, that's definitely, yeah, one of them. But I I mean, you're asking me between, to pick. Oh, I'll be so stereotypical now. You're asking me to pick between my children. They're all my children in oh, my book. Oh, come on. <laughs>
0: <laughs>
2: no, I, I will say I, I really did enjoy that one. I also, uh, for myself, I'm actually looking at the book. I, I had them... Um, Picked because I also wanted to get in touch with a few of these people. Um, I did really, really like the first one about uh, the, the Captain Sabahoe. Yes. That was, I was reading that and it's sort of, I didn't expect it to go where it went. And I think it's probably the first time that I've been able to hear. Um, of the care that sex workers take with their clients and how they think about them once they're gone they're not just you know uh, clients they are actually human to a lot of them even Mm -hmm. though uh, in some situations the sex workers themselves are not uh, treated so humanly Uh, but I thought it was interesting because I, I it reminds me a lot of my uh, the way I sort of lived my sex life, and that I have had a lot of partners throughout my life, but they—they they all impact me in some way. They all uh, stay with me, and I thought it was sort of beautiful mm-hmm. in that in that loving sort of way that it, that, that that she went about that. Uh, I also really liked uh, the story by if I don't even know how to pronounce her name. Is it
1: Epiphora. Epif- like epiphora.
2: an epiphany, but epiphora. Okay. Well, I, I really like that one about sex toys because that's actually something. or It's called What Should We Call Sex Toys? Yep. Because that's something I've been thinking about a lot recently because I like, I like the, I've always liked the word sex toys, but I thought that it was a bit trivial. Mm-hmm. Hearing her perspective on it uh, m- gave me a little bit more security in and going ahead and continuing to call them sex toys because, you know, sex is fun.
1: Sex should be fun. I mean, it, 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 and there's no reason that adults, uh, whenever you discover sex toys for your, for your own pleasure, that, you know, you need to abandon the word toy we all should have fun. Toys are fun things. We, we have them as children. We have certain types of toys as children and we have fun with them. Well, why shouldn't we have things that we derive pleasure from and still call them toys when we're adults? It just, it seems a natural extension. I'd never like when I received her piece, I'd never thought about it. Like it had never occurred to me. I've just, I've just been buying these sex toys for, 20 odd years. And I've always just kind of referred to them as sex toys. So it just, it it was a perspective that I never considered before. I I just kind of never questioned it. Sex toys. That's what they are. Or if I, you know, depending on the context, I'll get, you know, specific. Well, let's talk about vibrators. Let's talk about lube. Let's talk about pop lugs. Let's talk about all those things that are cluttering up my,
2: my room right now.
0: cluttering
2: are you kidding me no they're 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 adding ambiance
1: that's what i would like to think they're really just a disaster right now So some a couple of little out-of-town trips and things they're kind of like well let's bring this let's bring that oh let's we've got this we've got that and yeah the the, the night side table really just kind of needs a needs a little cl- a need a little cleaning so it's not clutter and it goes back to ambiance
2: I I in my in my house they're just sort of like all over the place because <laughs> um, I, I use my house for videos, but then I also sort of semi decorate with them in a way because oh they're, I they're, love
1: that those blogs they're,
0: they're just sitting on my shelf
1: like, yeah like, the blogs and things that have um, you know where people you know take pictures of their of their sex toys that are just like. We'll we'll call them objets d'art. <laughs> um and they just have them out all the time. Like I've got teenage daughters. They would be mortified if I did that sort of thing. Um, but when everyone is, is grown and and out of out of my house, boom. This place is just gonna become like all the stuff I've got in the corners and and, and stashed in our room and things like that, it's just gonna be coming out because they're you're you know you have grown up and you've heard enough of these things. Well now, now they here. Now yeah. it's my space again.
0: <laughs> hi baby.
2: Hi baby. Yes, I'm recording. But you you know we talk. I'm talking to my boyfriend Bubby. He just came <laughs> in the room. Say hi to John, Bubby. Hello.
0: Hi there. <laughs>
2: he says hi. You can go put the food up and cook and stuff and I'll be in there after we're done. Yeah. All
0: right.
2: Um how's it? living with teenage daughters and and, and being uh, being a, a sex guy?
1: Well, at this point, they're, it's kind of just... Uh, they know. They know the radio show. They know the book. Um, the book has been laying around. If they've cracked it, I would be surprised. Someday they're going to find out that the book is actually... The book is dedicated to my grandmother, my mother, my partner, and them. Two daughters. Um, someday they're gonna actually notice that. I have no idea if they have, and I'm just not telling them because I want to wait until they actually see it. <laughs> I it's kind of a I don't know. I I I play a lot of pranks on them. So <laughs> we're just gonna wait and see what happens and see how long it takes for them to ever notice it. Um, but right now it's kind of just a We will have conversations when we have conversations, but they're 13 and almost 16 and their lives are their own and they're in that phase right now. So we're not, um, it's not a, I just kind of try and be respectful of the idea that, they have no interest in talking about that with me at this point. <laughs> We've had great I conversations was. about sex and things like that. That's never been a problem, but just with the amount, like, I've, I've, I live outside of Toronto. I live in a suburb. There's a community newspaper, and I mean, I think it's a natural that I really should be reaching out to the community newspaper and saying, hey, one of your residents has this book out. We've also got this big controversy right now where we're, Ontario is introducing a new sex ed curriculum, Uh, more right-leaning people are up in arms, it's a big fight, blah, 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 and, like, I would be a perspective for them, but at the same time, I'm like, I might, maybe, should pull back just a little bit for the girl's sake and maybe not go you know, <laughs> jumping right into the community newspaper so i don't know i'm still debating it <laughs> i might actually put it to them and see if they actually have an opinion if if i should pursue that or not
2: i don't know i've always I, i've been talking recently to a lot of parents of children i'm, I'm uh the lta sex tends to follow my life and where i'm at in, in, in learning things mm-hmm. uh so for me, it's, it's been very interesting now that my friends group is starting to have children in it. And when we're, you know, being an adult presence in that life, you have to think about what you're going to say and how you're going to say it and blah, blah, blah. And I I feel like it is way more difficult than it looks, but at the same time, not difficult at all because it, it, If it comes easy to you, it'll probably come easy to them as well.
1: It's entirely dependent on the day. Honestly, I do not ever know. They don't live with me full time. We share custody between their mother and I. Some days I pick them up and they go to their respective rooms and then I drive them home. (laughs) <laughs> some days we have fantastic conversations around dinner table around sitting around um they are teenagers right now and that is overriding everything that has come along we had growing up they were always always exposed to all kinds of topics um not just sex but like world topics and discussions and things like that that was a, it was a very big thing and in the sex wise we had a one incident where there was um this reptile place and we go up to an exhibit and there's two giant tortoises fucking, which is amazing to see. I've got to say, giant tortoises fucking is amazing. And all you see, uh, all you hear are parents going like kids going, "Oh, what are they doing?" And parents going, "They're playing, well, they're playing uh, leapfrog." And and one of mine just went up and went, turned around and went, looked at me and heard people talking. And went, they're mating right I'm like yes that's what they're doing they're having sex so like you know it's not <laughs> something that has ever been kept from them but right now it's just kind of they're in the uh, blinders do whatever you want just don't involve me kind of phase but that that doesn't just involve the sex stuff it's pretty much their entire lives right now is they are finding <laughs> their own personhood and i am here to facilitate that and drive
2: places pretty much. Damn. I mean, <laughs> at least you know your role and your your I know my role. role.
1: Drive places, feed them and and somehow like anytime I go near them my wallet suddenly empties. Like that's pretty much That's pretty much my role and then when things happen and I swoop in and, and be the good parent and most of the time it's more of a you know when when they talk about little kids being being seen but not heard or whatever that phrase is like that's what I am now and (laughs) uh, you know I'm I'm that and I'm but at the same time I'm usually dubbed like the cool dad because I'll just say goofy things to their friends and I have a mohawk and I have like I just I dress like a punk most of the time still so they you know I get dubbed the cool dad by friends and and but at the same time they're just like no no he's not he's not really at all he's not cool so or whatever the word is cool is probably not the word
2: <laughs> um but we have really know. good I
1: relationships guess. after all that i say all that but we have really good
2: relationships i've got to be funny. honest i did lots of the same thing when i was a teenager i think we all did yeah leave me alone give me money feed me feed me a ton pretty much i'm always hungry <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah pretty much and only oh, feed me I, this. Don't even think about me feeding me any of that. Oh, I don't, don't like you? this week, and I don't want to eat this this week, and blah, 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 blah. Yeah. That's, that's, yeah. That's, that's, that's when I'm not uh, at work, when I'm not, not sleeping, when I'm not producing this sex writing stuff, then yes, that's what I do the rest of the time. Navigate the <laughs> world of teenagers.
2: Now, I have to say, like, one of the other... Um... Uh, getting back to the book at least, one of the other things that I, I found to be, one of the other stories I found to be very enlightening was uh, the story, and I'm going to go find it because I'm blanking on it. I think it's called The White Kind of Face, The White Kind of Body.
1: The The White Kind the of white. Body, I believe. Yes, it went right. through a couple, yes, The White Kind of Body.
2: With Alec Vade Menon. Yes. Um, I, that was the first time I'd actually heard someone put into words some of the thoughts that I had been having about um not necessarily my experience with race because I grew up around uh mostly other black people and it wasn't until I was later in life that I I was having uh more personal relationships with non-black people uh despite the fact that I went to school that was 30 percent Kelby 30 percent uh jewish and then like 10 percent asian of some mm. random descent uh so it was interesting for me to hear them say say those things it was i have to say enlightening also mm-hmm. because i hadn't put into words before these things and it was just I know I keep saying enlightening, but it's, it's, it's so enlightening.
1: (laughs) It really, really is. Um, from an entirely different perspective, I'm a cis white man who grew up in Canada in one of the most racist areas of Canada in that my high school had, um, at, at any point in time, no more than like five people of non white origin and, um, Not only was it thoughts that probably never even occurred to me, but I I mean, meeting people and and possibly having uh, some kind of sexual relationship with them uh, was impossible. Like it was literally impossible unless you somehow had a vehicle to get the hell out of town. And as soon as I left for university, that's what I did was got the hell out of town. so, you know, as someone reading this, and this is, that's a long time ago still, but at the same time, I, you know, I can, I can reflect on my own attractions and, and things like that. And, and, you know, again, get really enlightened by, by their work in this, like that piece was definitely one of the most, I I keep saying challenging, one of the most challenging pieces for me to read and evaluate I knew it was good I just needed to really take time to understand it so out of my sphere and I needed to do that and I'm I'm so glad that uh they were someone that we sought out and said hey this is someone doing some good work and and we should we should read more of their work and um yeah connecting with Alec was was really great because I do believe it is such an important piece for the book.
2: So it was challenging for you.
0: What was challenging about it?
1: It's so beyond my scope. It's because I've never really had to think in that way. I've never had okay. to think about or question my attractions in, a, in any relation to race. it's just not happened and reading something like that is like is like i don't want to say that it's like picking up a foreign language and trying to read but it's definitely a perspective that i just don't have and it was fantastic to read and it was i was so glad that we found it because it it, i think the book um would have even i'll I'll even say it would have been slightly lacking without it
0: okay
2: I I, I I can I can see I can see where that that would be.
1: Like where the area go, I grew uh, up in literally is so white. It's so white. Ontario is <laughs> pretty damn white. There's some places that aren't entirely, but like Ontario is and Canada is so white. I there would be when growing up there would be times where it'd go months without seeing a person of non white origin. Like it was it was kind of odd because i I mean I grew up i well I was born near Toronto and lived outside of Toronto in one of the more or most ethnically diverse areas in Canada. Then I moved to the Niagara region, everyone knows Niagara Falls. well, I lived very near to Niagara Falls, which is one of the whitest areas I think in the world, except for and it's, except for migrant workers who would come up every year to work farms. Like that was the only exposure that in my say whatever mid, middle school years to high school years, because I didn't have a car, I didn't get to go out of town, I didn't do things like that. So it's so very minimal. It was so very minimal for me in in very formative years of learning about culture and learning about people and learning about uh, diversity. Like it, it just wasn't there, and I never had to question it. I I have you know, that thing where I just haven't had to question things. And, and I'm glad that I do now.
2: So what, what would you say you, you, you learned from that? Uh,
1: Number one, that, that this questioning for a person exists, that, that they had to uh, go through and continue to go through that process in their life. That, that is something that, um, is something to really consider. Because again, I've never had to consider that. I've, I'm, I've never had to uh, think of race in a context of relationships. Um, it just never occurred. So that was, that's what I really took away is that I've seen enough in the sex world of intersectionality and stuff like that. I've, I've read a lot of things discussing intersectionality i've seen the importance of intersectionality but that was uh that was a version of it that i'd never encountered before
2: i just like hearing from people uh what they what they get from things Mm -hmm. because i i will everybody gets something that's very specific to their own experiences but i i like to know what it is that the people got because Mm -hmm. that's that's super important in the dialogue that we have about race and class issues and a million other things that are so very difficult to talk about um in fact i'm looking at my phone right now and i have a a facebook notification from one of my friends who lives in uh ontario as well Mm -hmm. uh grew up on a grew up on a farm and he is having trouble adjusting to a world uh, where uh, he's being held accountable for his views on, say, feminism
0: Mm -hmm. or uh,
2: racial issues or class issues. And I've I've always found it so interesting that he's been so, so much like american i'm just gonna say american asshole asshole dudes but at the same time i can see that he's not exactly trying to make that happen Hmm. so i guess so i guess it can for for in that particular scenario um it'll give me more perspective on like how to talk to him because Mm
0: -hmm,
2: it can be difficult uh, sometimes when he's telling me about how Gamergate was a good thing. Oh, (laughs) (laughs) and I'm like, Oh my God, I kind of hate you, but I can't be mad at you because if they do, then nobody else is going to talk to you about this
0: stuff. So,
1: well, it's really funny because can Canadians in Canada has this reputation in a lot of ways of being progressive and being, liberal with things and, and and moving forward things and at the same time there are i would say the majority of the country and massive pockets of the country that are so conservative and i'll say backwards about so many things this like i said we have this sex ed curriculum that is very progressive um that is going to be taught in schools in the fall and This week, many, like thousands of families have pulled their kids out of school for a week to protest the fact that they are going to be taught sex ed, which uh, someone, a friend posted one of the best status updates I've ever seen. And I'll paraphrase, but she she said, so parents are taking their kids out of school to protest sex ed i e they're using the withdrawal method, which is one of the least effective ways maybe they actually go need to go and learn sex ed themselves, which I thought I thought that was just brilliant i I laughed and laughed in my little cubicle at that um so we are in a in a space here where and and the things that are being introduced into this curriculum are topics of consent topics of um gender identity topics uh telling them that things like oral sex and anal sex exist and these are things that are gonna happen and in grade fun. school and they're fun pleasure is a big part of it masturbation is a big part of it uh their bodies is a big part of it all things like we hadn't had a sex ed update since the, the 98 I want to say so so many things sexting is a big thing of it consent like I said is a big thing of it um, so that they can actually come across as functioning sexual beings in their later lives as opposed to being the the ostriches with their heads stuck in the sand because it's supposedly it's the family's right to teach them at home bullshit is what i call it's school's right to teach these things because they're fundamental aspects of humanity and human existence. And they need to be taught that you can't leave this up to parents or else you end up with the god-awful results that we've seen in a lot of ways. Studies show that kids who are given better sex education usually put off having sex until they're older.
2: Yes, they they do. And they make better decisions.
1: They make better decisions. Exactly. That's just information. Right now, there are all of these these, these um, campaigns of actual literal lies that newspapers have been collecting of like, these are what people are saying. And it's turning into a race thing as well because uh, a lot of the objection is coming from faith-based communities and people are stoking those faith-based communities and people are also blaming the faith-based, faith-based communities, which are often on the lines of, Racial divides as well, so it's turning into this thing. Uh, they can't do anything about it at this point. It it is in the curriculum. It is a, we have a majority government here that has instituted this. It's long overdue. It was actually introduced five years ago and and put on the back burner because of an an impending election. So five years later, it's gonna happen, and people are losing their shit about it. It's just good education. That's all it is. Um, well, and, there's nothing uh, wrong with that. There is nothing wrong. It's it's commendable. It's not just nothing wrong. It's the right thing to do. And and the the controversy over it is, um, I I don't know. I shake my head at it every day, reading more and more about this. And again, people are literally keeping their kids from education to pr- pr- protest education.
2: Which makes no fucking sense. But then again, lots of the things that these people do makes no fucking sense. Exactly,
1: <laughs> none at all.
2: <laughs> I have been—I um, don't want to say on the receiving end, but I've, I've been privy to far too many of these conversations coming from a more conservative background. Mm. Uh, and and I spend a lot of time actually—I uh, spend a lot of time actually dealing with people one on one. Uh, a lot of the, uh, I guess the, you would say, the advocacy work that I do is really more uh, just talking to people. People who people like myself don't normally want to talk to. The people who they're you know they're just assholes. They they they're so rude. They can't think. They they're 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 stuck in their ways. Just let them die off. <laughs> Those sorts of people. Mm -hmm. Um, I spend a lot of my time talking to them because, you know, they're, they are going to die off, but you know, who's going to die off slower is their children. And if we, if we don't start talking to them, and treating them like, you know, humans, uh, who are understandable in some way, even though their beliefs are utterly ridiculous, most of the time, it's we're just going to keep having these problems. And this part of the problem we we've had all this time is that there's so much of this, I know absolutely better. And if you disagree with me, then you're the asshole and it's coming from both ways and it's not productive in either account.
1: No. And from what I understand, like in this particular instance with this education is that it isn't preachy either. It is opening dialogue it is opening discussion, it is opening ways to talk to each other, opening ways to say this is a situation in the world, i.e. consent, that we are exploring, discussing, and hopefully finding through our conversations a path that keeps people safe and happy. Um, this is what's going on, but it, but it's being painted as there's going to be instruction on masturbation. There's going to be uh, instruction on anal sex. Oh, God. There's going to be acknowledgement of same-sex couples. What? Grade 6 kids oh can't possibly learn about same-sex couples or in grade 8 no learn God about so. trans people. What? That's just... Uh, it, but at the same time, you know what? A lot of these objections are going to come from people in smaller towns where... Mm-hmm they visibly don't actually know any trans people, queer people. They may because they live in a small town and those people in those small towns probably don't want to be visual and probably don't want to be identified because of all of the uh, bigotry and difficulty that surrounds that in smaller towns. Um, it's it's re- it's a true it's it's a distinct reality here. We are not as sweet and cuddly Canadians as as everyone thinks we are. Um, there's a lot of issues here, and this this curriculum is one example of trying to move the conversation forward to fix those difficulties for people in this province. I really hope that it just dies down and people understand. Let's just try something different because the last. 150 years of education around this is it's not really worked out so well
2: and I, I i have to say that i appreciate that although you know canada has its own issues i will say that i appreciate that it seems like you guys can actually get something functional happening um <laughs> because our government is having a very hard time with that even on the most basic level um as i'm sure as I'm, oh, oh, i don't want i don't want to be Nationalist here, but the Obamacare thing—I don't know if you know about Mm -hmm. that—but there was so much strife, and I'm just like, you realize that they are just trying to give people the American dream, you fucking shitbags. From
1: an outside perspective, like that was exactly my thought. Was like, why is everybody so upset about people receiving something? Like it, it just was baffling to me and maybe that's coming from a country that has universal health care and i'm just like why wouldn't everyone just want this it makes no sense that there's any objection to this Uh, i just kind of sitting up here north of the 49 going i don't know what's going on with you guys at all
2: and you know what i i can explain a little bit about that because in our country also among class lines mm. and the class lines tend to be stronger than anything else. So even people who let's say an African- American person who is used to being shit on by you know white people in our culture, they will then, Be like, no, I don't want other people to get benefits. I want it for me only. And if it can't be me only, then I'm losing out on something. And then there's also this other part of people who were, let's say, poor white people, which are the biggest population in this country. Uh, They believe, because they're often uneducated, they're often uh, southern born, they're often uh, white aligning, no matter what's coming out of the white mouth. Um, They'll just say it because they believe it or they'll just uh, agree with it because it's coming out of the mouth of someone who looks like them Mm -hmm. Uh, and they'll often just go along with whatever is said and they won't uh, realize that what's really happening is that the rich white people are making a mockery of you know your right to vote because they're just basically saying to you do everything that's in your that's not in your best interest Mm -hmm. and people do we're we're really bad with that when it comes to like uh taxes uh there's a lot of poor people who will vote against tax cuts for the poor and vote for tax cuts for the rich because i guess they see themselves uh as more akin to uh one of these richer people because they look more like them than anything else and that's just sad because that leaves us with this broken system where we can barely get things done because everyone's still so much looking out for themselves. Right. Even if they're not actually in the end looking out for themselves.
1: <laughs> uh, yes. It's I, I, I try to follow a little bit at times about what's going on down there. And sometimes I'm just, I don't even understand. I don't it, even understand how this is happening. I just don't get it. And I do that here too. Trust me. It It still does happen here. But in a way it's, I don't know it it always just seems more huge <laughs> when you guys are doing something
2: that and it is normally because people are very um i i want to say that our country simply lacks emotional intelligence to a great degree because we will overreact to things and just because we don't like them they are 100% bad to us mm-hmm. um Whereas I, I find in other countries there seems to be a bit of, a bit more selflessness and greater good feeling, but you know the capitalists didn't get super rich by uh, caring about the general populace. In fact, they got there by destroying our environment and stealing from the poor and making billions and fees and yep. bullshit and incarcerating people. So it's it's there's there's just not enough camaraderie. I think is the basis the basic uh, takeaway from that because there's lots of things that could be done and there are lots of people who want the same thing but because we don't all speak exactly the same language shit uh, gets fucked up sometimes
0: mm-hmm, mm-hmm. sadly it's, it's, but yeah <laughs> <laughs> um, so we are I, do, I think we're about time to
2: go I think. I don't actually know. I know we've been talking for over an hour now. uh, So I think think that's about right. But before we go, why -hmm. don't you tell people where they can buy the book, where they can find you, where they can put their two cents in if they're Canadian citizens about telling people to shut the hell up, Uh, (laughs) (laughs) all that good stuff.
1: Uh all right. I will I will go through the litany. Best sex writing of the year is from Cleus Press. You can find it on all of the usual uh outlets, Amazon, Barnes and Noble, um, iTunes, uh here in Canada, Indigo. Uh I greatly suggest supporting independent bookstores and finding out if they carry them because I love independent bookstores. Uh you can also do that as well. And um, you can find out more about the book on best sex writing best sex writing of the year.com um, and lots of blog tours happening and, and different stops and you can read some different perspectives from different people on their thoughts on the book. And for myself uh, you can find my blog, which is sex I am on Twitter at sex in words and there's Facebook for both of those sex in words and for, best sex writing of the year. There's Twitter for best sex writing of the year, which is best sex writers. I hope that like beyond the book then, you know, once it kind of when when it's pushes is a little less, I'll always be pushing it, but when it's pushes a little less, then I do want to, you know, get back to my kind of roots in this and start, you know, presenting more good sex writing that's beyond the book and and just making sure that those conversations keep happening. And um yeah, and Sex City Radio, which is my radio show, which is on Facebook, Sex City, and at Sex City Radio on Twitter. I am going to be hosting, I don't know when this is going up, but I'm hosting next week. I host about once a month, talking about all kinds of different things about sex. Every month, it's something different. It's it's wild, and it's a lot of fun, and it's kind of cool to be uh, to be one of the... I'd say few remaining outlets of sex on public over-the-air airwaves. It's it's a it's a rare thing these days, and and we're really happy to be doing it for I don't know something like seventeen years strong. Wow, really? The show itself, I've been there for I think seven or eight, but the show itself has been on on CIUT for well, you know, we don't even know the exact number of years because there's been one host from the beginning she's been there there's four hosts um i'm a host and the producer of the show and one host louise has been on since the beginning and she doesn't even remember what year it started so (laughs) it's it's been at least 15 because i remember being interviewed on it about 14 years ago i worked in an office i had to close my it the last office door i had i had to close the office door prop up a chair make sure no one would come and talk to me and talk about writing bisexual erotica on a radio show at two in the afternoon on like a wednesday which was our old time slot so yeah that was it was a weird thing but it was been on for a long time there aren't many like us anymore we just talk sex issues and topics and we don't do advice and we don't do q a and we don't do things like those type of shows we are like we're we're just a sex radio show we talk about sex and it's it's a great time it's i wouldn't have done it so long if if it wasn't leading to so many interesting people and talking to so many interesting people i it's one of my favorite things
2: well uh, tell me more about this bisexual ironica. <laughs> <laughs> that
1: was one type of it I did. I wrote for a site a long time ago when I I commuted on a... Uh, well, I still commute now, but from a different direction. But I would go on this commuter bus and I had a little laptop and I would write... I wrote for this particular site, which I think is long since gone, um, story arcs, like eight-part stories of... of focusing on because that was the site's focus was male male female bisexual erotica and my god they were some epic stuff and I'd sit there writing away and as people are just generally prone to do like eyes would would kind of drift over to whomever I was sitting beside and they'd drift over to the screen and I'm sitting there clicking away and they would just kind of like, I'd see their, their head move over and look and then snap forward instantly after, you know, I've probably just written something about and he took my cock in his ass. Well, she sucked uh, whatever, something, you know, <laughs> something along those lines, but they were, they were so fun to write. I dread going back and reading them because they were so long ago and, and they're probably absolutely terrible writing but i really do need to go back and read those someday and i don't know maybe throw them up on amazon as a as a little book or something like that
2: that's probably be fun
1: Mm, we'll see (laughs) i really really need to read them first because i think there's i i would not want to put something as awful as i kind of fear that they are out there the sex was good i know that part whether or not the stories are any good i don't know about that that that's probably up for debate i
2: mean you know I, I have found that a lot of things that I, I said were terrible years ago, you know, being on the internet and now five years, uh, putting all my, all my very, very candid thoughts on the internet. I have found that actually some stuff that I thought was like horrible or would be horrible because it's so old, I've actually found it to be um, uh, raw in a way mm-hmm. that I can't really capture anymore because I'm not in that place And so it's sort of like a time capsule of what it was. And I like that because it's genuine.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah. I I, I hope that I have that reaction. (laughs) I hope that I, that I look back on it and read it and go like, "Uh, yeah, I can see where this was going. That's, that's my very optimistic view. Of, I can see where this was going to go. Cause I've written a ton of erotica since then. And I think I've, you know, it took me years to find the right voice and what I like to read and write and, and things like that. So now when I get back to it and again, I'll, I'll, I'll claim that as a potential other summer project. <laughs> um, we'll see. And I don't know, maybe I'll send some along and you can, You can give me a little peruse. Maybe you can read in the park some of this stuff after you've done the book.
2: (laughs) Sure, I would actually love that. (laughs) I I need to get back into writing erotica myself, actually. It was something that I used to do, but as LTSX has grown a bit more mature, I have uh, stayed away from it for some reason.
1: Mm -hmm. I used to do, uh, every week I used to do on Sex and Words a... Uh, one of my favorite things to do as an exercise is to find an image and write about that image. It's a pretty standard writing exercise and prompt, but it takes a whole new meaning when I'm like searching through first, I'm searching through porn and that's just porn started to lose its appeal for this exercise after a while. So I started to find more Oh quote unquote artistic pieces or, interesting works and then writing on those ones still imbuing it with like as much smut as I possibly could but I got out of that last I guess last summer even and I do want to go back to it when when time time
2: happens time permits yeah. <laughs> okay um, well I think that's a good, a good enough places I need to end it um, I do want to thank you so much for being on the show uh, people should make sure to check out the book other than that uh thanks so much for listening
1: (laughs) thanks for having me on everyone check out more uh more podcasts it's great stuff
2: all right and have a great one you too